For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome aboard. This is Believe in Vikings. We are eight days away from the NFL draft. Uh, tonight we have Shelby from Los Angeles. But first, uh, she lived in Mankato uh, for the formative part of her life. We also have Ron from Franchise Tag, Sally from Minneapolis, Super Bowl champion Brian McKinney, and I am Dustin Baker from Franchise Tagged and Vikings Territory. This is another analysis show. We don't have any additional player guests, uh, unlike that stretch where we had several. Uh, we're going to jump into more draft talk because we'd be silly if we didn't. Um, then we're going to talk um, about some, some other pieces of the roster, some of the hot takes about Rick Spielman, and just sort of the state of the team and the prognosis. But first, like always, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So per usual, we are going to hop into all of our topics. It's an analysis show. We don't have an additional player guest like we did for a few weeks there, um, but we do have a plethora of topics and we are what? Eight days from uh, the draft. So draft stuff and whatnot. So here we go. Uh, the first question I'm going to pose to, let's see, Sally. Um, Steven Weatherly is theorized to be the defensive end opposite Daniil Hunter. And one name that went off the board since we last chatted was Javian Clowney. Not that he was ever realistic to come to the team, but he was mysteriously out there and it would have been badass to pair him with Hunter. If the money lined up, it did not. Probably didn't even pick up the phone for it. But uh, it'll give us a clue into the draft plans of the Vikings if we know what Weatherly's future is. So I'm going to ask everybody and start with Sally. Do you think Steven Weatherly is the starting right defensive end for the 2021 team? Right now, I don't see any other way. Um, even if they draft somebody, you know, it's not going to be in, well, unless they trade up, it's going to be in the third round or the fourth round. Um, so I don't know if that guy's going to be a starter week one, like a Daniel Hunter, maybe. Um, but, uh, for right now, I think he is going to be, I mean, last year he was injured, um, after nine games, I think. So he missed the end of the season. Maybe he'll improve. <laughs> yeah, he, he did pretty well in, in reserve, uh, fashion for Everson Griffin in 2018. So we'll have to see if we can rekindle that. Shelby, do you think Weatherly starts week one on the defensive line? I honestly think he's a good fit. He's only 27. I think that he'll pair with Hunter really well. Obviously, Clowney would have been a great fit, but for right now, we kind of have to work with what we have. And he's been doing, I'm pretty sure he's been practicing right and left defensive end right now. He, so he's kind of working both sides. I think that he'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, the excitement that he showed when he returned home, so to speak, led me to believe that it was more, maybe, more than just a... Um, you know, third down rushing role. Uh, Ron, what do you think? Is Weatherly the starting defensive end? I think he is. And I think um, the way that that spot will be used is going to be just a very fluid situation with um, obviously Wanham getting some mix in there as well. Plus, I think that they will draft someone at some point that'll be a developmental player. So, um, you know, it's not that Weatherly is a below average player. He's probably, you know, average. You know, if there's a replace or a 
wins above replacement metric, he'd probably be right at that zero, slightly above. But um, I think with the additions in the middle that will be there, um, he'll be effective in that role. But also, again, you'll see Wanham probably as the primary pass rusher on that side um, on in nickel situations. So. Okay, Bryant, there are two Hurricanes, conveniently, that are edge rushers that will go off the board probably in the first round, definitely by the middle of the second round. And those uh, dudes are named Gregory Rousseau and Jalen Phillips. So I want to know, A, do you know either one of them? And B, do you think one of them um, would be suitable for the Vikings? Um, yeah, well, I know both of them because of uh, my time being down at the University of Miami and, and trying to help the O-line. Um I wish they would come, you know, I wish they were able to snag at least one of them. Yeah. Like Minnesota doesn't get too many hurricanes up there. Um, and I think they would do a good job uh, up there and make an impact right away. Is it somewhat realistic that we could get one of those guys on if they put on a purple helmet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely <laughs> could reach out to either one of those guys and have them come on as a guest. Um, okay. That's if they get chosen as the Vikings. Oh, that's kind of our uh, final frontier, our holy grail right now is a current player. Um, we don't have a whole lot of inroads there. I thought for a while we'd be able to get Dalvin Cook, but then that one kind of cooled off. But, well, it's good to know. We, we That's something to get excited for on draft night. I somehow disagree with the group. I, in my heart of hearts, after too much thinking, way too much obsessive thinking about this, I think that the first pick will be an edge rusher. And I think that's – we'll trade back on brand per usual about six, seven spots. And then we will get one of those dudes or the Michigan guy pay. And uh, I, it's not that I don't think it would work the defense as it is right now, but the pass rush side of things is below the standard that Zimmer usually tolerates because Dalvin Tomlinson is, um, you know, a nose tackle sort of with the Giants. And I don't think that he's going to generate gobs of pressure like Sheldon Richardson, I perceive, did in 2018. Um, so I really think this will be an edge rusher, even though the knee is probably more steered toward offensive line. Uh, Ron, um, there was an NFL.com article last week uh, that power ranked general managers, and I thought that was supremely interesting because I don't see a whole lot of those. It's always a mystery to me um, how GMs are ranked or perceived in the, the general community. And our guy, Mr. Spielman, in terms of drafting wherewithal, was ranked sixth out of all 32. And like 10 of them were considered like newbies, so they were disqualified from being ranked. But do you think that's fair? Top top six. He was number six. I do think it's fair. And if not even higher, I mean, I didn't look at the article, so I can't say who was ahead of him. But uh, um, if you look, obviously he has misses like every GM does. Laquan Treadwell stands out, um, you know, among some others. But if you look at the way he's developed or drafted and developed talent in those middle rounds, uh, especially looking at the defensive line. Um, but we haven't spent draft capital on a D lineman for like, I think McKinney said like Udeza or Rasmus James was the last one. So mm-hmm. um, it's, but we seemingly always have like, whether it's Robison into Griffin now into Hunter, there's always someone who is an impact starter. So if you take everything into account, even Diggs was his draft pick and that's a fifth round pick. So mm-hmm. um, he, I, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to find people who are better at drafting players. Now there obviously is more to the GM position than just finding and acquiring talent. So there's other faults that he may have, whether it's, you know, salary related or whatnot, or even just a personnel retention. But um, you can't say that he hasn't done a great job in the draft. Okay. Um, so Shelby, we don't know too much about you and your fandom. Um, do Are you a Spielman girl? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that he's done a great job, especially in the most recent years with Jefferson, Hunter, Cook, you know, even Barr back then. I think that he's has a good time of finding talent. And then a lot, what I realized is a lot of guys like playing, playing for him. And he seems to develop and see things that not a lot of people see. So I personally think that he's doing doing a good job. <laughs> okay. Uh, on Spielman, um, just like most of the Vikings stuff, we watch every snap, Vikings football, see every tweet, and I think that we, we perceive his misses like Ron was talking about with Treadwell and some of the injury ones. 
like um, Sharif Floyd as like, you know, how could he do this? Like as if he's the only general manager that that happens to. Um, so I think that we perceive him through a more scrutinizing lens. And I think on the whole that he is a uh, apt general manager. And I also don't think that he's necessarily on the hot seat. I will agree with everybody in the world that thinks Zimmer and Cousins Maybe not hot seat, but this is certainly a pivotal year for both of those men. Uh, those two are indeed. But I think Spielman's body of work speaks for itself, and I think he's safer than those two if this season were to go pear-shaped. So, Bryant, you are the only one on uh, this show tonight that has met or knows Rick Spielman. And outside of the the weird interaction where the Vikings called your mom to try to get you to resign, what is your opinion of Spielman? <laughs> I think he does a pretty decent job. Like, I don't think he's bad. Um, I just think that um, some of his ways are still old school, and I feel like he has to try to transition over Spielman's? to a newer. Huh? Spielman's? Yeah. Oh, okay. Can transfer over a little bit to the to newer way of um, how these players are. Okay. And don't always take the old school mentality on some things. But other than that, I think it's pretty decent. Fair enough. All right, Sally. Uh, what is your pulse on Rick's Spielman as the general manager of the football team? <clears throat> Well, the list was definitely interesting. Um, who was a, like they had the Packers GM at 13, which I thought was kind of weird because he hasn't even been around <laughs> very long. Uh, but anyway, so th- the list was interesting. It did only go back to 2015, to be fair. But I think that's probably because if you sucked at your job in 2015 or before, you're probably not still employed. Um, but the list also, so it had the, his best draft pick in that article as, uh, Justin Jefferson. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, obviously we all saw how talented Justin Jefferson is, and I'm sure we'll continue to only build off of that, but he's only been, you know, on the roster for one year. I feel like that's almost a slight to Spielman to say that's your best pick. Um, especially since he also kind of fell to him. I think he, like Ron was saying, he deserves more credit for what he has done. Um, in those later rounds, we mentioned Daniel Hunter in the third round. I think that's a really good example of that. And then Diggs in the fifth, I know there's obviously less risk associated once you get to the fifth round. Um, but especially if you think about how he built that into then another first round pick, which became, um, Justin Jefferson and picks after that. Um, I do agree that he shines better in those later rounds, especially when he picks up a bunch of extra picks. It really improves your odds. So. You get a lot of chances at it. You're bound to hit on one. So, um, but so who were in the top five? Because I, like I said I didn't re- read it, but um, I wrote I wrote this too. Sydney, I have it. Okay, if you don't. Because um, like without thinking, like I my guess would be like they they'd probably put like the Seahawks in there, which is just asinine because of it. And the reason why I think that they would be in there is because of Russell Wilson. But if you look at the rest of their draft, like whether it's Bruce Irvin or they took an offensive lineman that just sucked. Um, like they haven't hit in the first round anything, but one middle round pick that becomes a hall of fame talent may skew that, that number, the way that it's looked at. So, and also Sally, to your point with uh, the, the Packers, their draft classes look better because they have Rogers. So <laughs> all those years with, Ted Thompson, like they never had good draft classes. But these are all 2015 and before. So those are oh, actually not being considered. Okay. Um, but still, I mean, they had Jordan Love last year. How can you say that they're 13? Like <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen yet if that. And they don't is. sign free agents. Right. Right. So it was um, Tampa, I mean, New Orleans, and who else? The Bills. Oh, yeah. Brandon The Bean. Buccaneers, duh. And uh, the Steelers. And the Colts were number one. Yeah. Now, where, what have the Bills really done in the draft that would warrant them up there? Like, I mean, they got oh, digs the from us. The linebackers. Uh, they said Josh Allen is their best pick. But um, he's a number seven overall pick, so he should be good. Tredavious White. And White. the worst pick is Zay Jones, they say. Round two, 2017. Okay. And they say the best and the worst picks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who else do you want some tea on? I got it right here. <laughs> Where is that for the Ravens? <laughs> for the Ravens? Oh, he does that. They're too. Well, Lamar Jackson's got to be their best because of the, you know, you get an MVP in the last pick of the first round. But uh, the Ravens are ranked 17, supposedly. Uh, best pick, J.K. Dobbins, round two, 2020. Worst pick, NA. This is after uh, Newsom. Well, they put in a. They would be a nice. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> it's just, he almost shouldn't be considered uh, the noobs category because this is, <laughs> this is life after Newsom. 
Right. They said no one knew, I guess they meant a year or younger. So yeah, like that's not fair. So this, this power rankings is kind of crap in my opinion, but uh, on the Viking side, uh, we need to also mention Kendricks in the second round Hitman. Uh, you know, trading back into the first round and then finding Thielen from nowhere. Um, those are even the guys that aren't here, Thielen. whether it's Trey Waynes or, or anything like those guys had good productive careers here. And uh, yeah. again, like the Laquan Treadwell miss, like I'd put Diggs as the best pick that that Spielman had because one of where he was taken in the fifth round, but also not being thick headed and thinking that Treadwell, like, or I guess he Diggs was taken before Treadwell, but uh, um, yeah, I mean that to me just you get that good of a talent whether or not he's on the team that still counts as a spielman draft yeah Uh, so the next thing uh, on i was asked about this on uh uh, sioux falls espn radio today um it's kind of a softball question so i wanted to make make sure that i wasn't uh off base here the vikings were forecasted by odds makers to win eight and a half games which gives them an ugly eight and nine record or nine and eight if you're optimistic um Let's see, Shelby, do you think eight and a half wins? What does what does that do for you for the Vikings? Is that way too high, way too low? Nothing? What? I think that that's low. I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty optimistic person when it comes to the Vikings, but there were so many games this year that were so close against really good competitors. The second that we fix um, our offensive line and give Kirk more time and once we get all those injured people back like Barr, um daniel hunter dalvin like all those people i think that we have more than enough chance to have at least 10 games in my opinion yeah sally what say you on eight and a half wins all right well i'm actually not happy with this answer because i hate it's like a pet peeve of mine when everyone's like eight and eight now eight and nine you know <laughs> but i did it i looked at each game individually earlier and um i've got eight and nine so yuck i mean some of them are a toss-up like i would say cowboys is a toss-up panthers is a toss-up but i mean <laughs> is it just that tough of a schedule or you're just not as high as the rest of the uh, folks here are well so far not much has changed from seven and nine right so i mean how so, where in a way it has because just getting healthy on defense uh the we 20, still don't know what, if daniel is healthy that's what i'm saying even without daniel like yes and obviously he's a difference maker you're getting you know your linebacking core back obviously with michael pierce and dalvin tomlinson that'll help with the running game so but I think the running just, game wasn't an issue <laughs> well, that's because, yeah, that's so, true. Against the, the Saints, you know, with seven rushing touchdowns. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, no, it's, I mean, to kind of to your point, it's, it's that, well, for me, it's always when I look at who we play and everything, it's always like, oh, it's a tough schedule. But what the schedule looks like now versus what it's going to look like week three. And Bryant, I'm sure you can attest to it. When you look at the schedule that comes out, it's like, you know who your opponents are, but what, what a team looks like week three is going to be different. There's going to be some injury. There's going to be something that happens or, you know, a team like for, in our case, for uh, the 2010 year, the dome collapses and like just put the, top, the cherry on the top of everything. You don't expect to see that. So teams at the top are going to fall and some teams at the bottom are going to rise up as well. So, um, but yeah, to, to your um, interview with ESPN um, in Sioux Falls, you know, when I was listening and I heard the eight and a half and, and you had said Vegas is never wrong on these type of things. And I feel like, season over unders they're usually pretty far off it's the, the the it seems like it because they always range it in that seven to nine and yeah. then you know with the, the the top teams at like 10 or 11 but uh just to probably get the action going but uh sure. um, i mean i'd be on the optimistic side and think that nine wins is uh like being over 500 if nine wins is the is the goal i think that that's very attainable regardless of who the opponents are okay bryant eight and a half wins for the vikings too high or too low that's too low. Yeah. Um, it definitely <clears throat> should be like at least a 10, <laughs> 10 win season, at least. Uh, but eight, that's not too far from the record last season. No, not at, especially if you're adding another game. It's basically uh, right. Well, uh, uh, Sally, you uh, we would see a brand new team if it's eight and nine. Um, I think the coach would assuredly be gone. And the quarterback would be probably phased out. And I don't know. I don't know if it'd be a complete rebuild. Um, but yeah, eight and nine, or maybe even a nine and eight 
uh, is going to be a catalyst to change, you know, whether we like it or not. So uh, let's. Well, what's not, yours? What's that? What's your prediction? Uh, well, it, it, so to understand the how the Vegas does it, I would say it would be more fair to do nine and a half um, based on what Ron said about a return to health from like five significant contributors. Um, but without seeing the draft, I would probably peg this team at 11 and six uh, because I do trust the defense to come roaring back. I think we're I, me included for a while. I think we're way too jaded about how poor the defense got quickly. And we forgot what the bedrock of the team is. And it's not like they all scattered and went elsewhere. We uh, litigated that last year when that happened with Linval and Everson and Xavier and the rest of the cornerbacks that left. Um, but I don't feel that vibe this year that it's this, Starting from scratch, it's a return to normalcy and then enhancements with Patrick Peterson and Tomlinson. So I put a lot of stock in the defense to me. It's going to give me warm fuzzies that it's back and it actually effing tackles. And like with uh, everyone getting getting back, like whether or not Daniil is there week one, our D-line at every position this year is better than what we had out there last year. Yeah. So that alone, you look at our uh, with Dantzler in his second year, and obviously the last half of the year he was pretty dominant. You now add Patrick Peterson into that mix. So whether or not Xavier Woods is, you know, worse than Anthony Harris or if he's, you know, somehow better, um, our secondary is better and our linebacking core is healthy. So um, I think just – Again, the healthy bodies, assuming they stay healthy, is going to be helpful. And being able to, if we can mitigate the running game and make teams pass, I think we're equipped to be able to, if we can't get pressure, we're at least going to be in the right spot on the back end. It'll be sad if we never have a year with Mike Zimmer where the defense is his defense and then this good version of the offense with Dalvin Cook ripping and rolling. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's like my wet dream for that to happen because then you're so damn close for it to be in 2017 when, uh, you know, when case was doing it out of his body. Um, I just, it's gotta be there somewhere. And I think we have one that's year to find I'm it. Saying. Say it, go ahead. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that this is the best offense I've seen. And I don't know how long the chemistry is crazy. We have the running game plus the passing game, two good receivers with feeling who's more experienced and Jefferson. The fact that we went from having a top 10 defense to what we witnessed this year, if we could even get it to half of what it was in 2017, 2018, I think that we have a crazy chance to be, be up there. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm banking on, and I think that's what has to happen. Uh, Bryant, so there is a guy in the draft named uh, Panay Sewell. I think that's the right pronunciation, and he's forecasted to be the best left tackle in the draft. You know a little something about that. Um, there, His stock is falling a little bit because of this quarterback. Um, just scurry to the – I want to interrupt for just a second to talk about sunglasses, if you can believe that. Yes, sunglasses. Uh, I go through a lot of those – out of forgetfulness, I'll lose them or leave them places. Uh, I've got two young children at home, so they break them. They break their own, so on and so forth. Uh, so let's talk about Canon sunglasses. That's K-A-E-N-O-N. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15, KananCast15, at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Kanan, clearly better. To the, not the finish line, but the starting line to get quarterbacks. So he might fall a bit. Um, and there is a theory that suggests the Vikings could trade up about six spots to grab him. Um, would you support or what would you give up via trade to land a left tackle of the future? Let me understand his um, stock falling because of a quarterback. What? Uh, he's a left tackle. And um, there are about five quarterbacks that are supposed to be picked, which shoots his stock down because okay. teams are stretching for quarterbacks. So right. would you would you sell a little bit of draft capital <laughs> to get a bona fide left tackle? I would because I feel like there's somebody that you could potentially have for years to come, you know? So, yeah. and that's a weakness on, you know, on the team right now. So you might as well address it if you have the opportunity. 
Yeah, if 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 the plan is not to move uh, Ezra Cleveland over to left tackle to his natural organic spot, then we don't have anything. Uh, it's Rashad Hill, and you hope that he became a starter somehow, um, you know, this summer, uh, and maybe he will be. But uh, the way that we usually do things on that front the offensive line it seems like it's piecemealed uh, what would you give up sally to get if anything uh panay sewell um i was thinking they should throw in one of those third round picks maybe that'd be enough i honestly well we have how many fifths do we have uh, or we no have we have four five fourths four. so five or four yeah i don't know i wrote down five but um yeah maybe a third and a fourth and then trade up the first I don't know. I mean, it could happen. We definitely, that's a position we've needed fixed for a really long time. So it would be nice to try again. Yeah. And uh, Reef did okay. Uh, Reef was a good left tackle, um, but the the smoke that surrounds Sewell is supposed to be a great left tackle. And in theory, he could not work out, but the scouting reports would have to be wickedly wrong. Uh, Ron, what would you give up for oh, Sewell? Sorry. So what'd you say? Matt so? Khalil. <laughs> hey, he was good for a year, damn it. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean the reports. Oh, yeah, true, true. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I think, um, like, the draft capital to to move up is always going to be an issue. Depend If we have to touch into next year's first or second, like, absolutely not. Uh, but I think the big key will be if we see five quarterbacks go in the top eight, that Broncos spot at nine is going to be a huge pivot yeah. spot because with the relationship with Peyton there, Patton, yeah. however it said, with his relationship, obviously it seems like they want Micah Parsons um, if – um, if no quarterback is there. So if all five quarterbacks are gone and Parsons is on the board, he Parsons will be available at 14. So that will be something where, like Sally said, the third and the fourth, along with the the first should be able to move up. And uh, um, so even whether or not it's Sewell, if it's Rashawn Slater, I'm fully on board for that as well. Like I actually like think Slater, if you get him and he's at left guard and then have Cleveland play left tackle, I think you, you know, shore up that left side pretty good so okay um for the listeners there um i want to call out there are some of you that want to be done with kirk cousins and either groom a trey lance or start him right away somehow which won't happen um because kirk is the quarterback for 2021 um but what ron said about the Broncos spot that is the spot to watch if mac jones who some people like which i don't get especially that high or Trey Lance, if they slide past the Broncos, then it is actually realistic that uh, Lance or Jones will go all the way to the Vikings because the way the board falls with the Chargers, Eagles, Panther, and no, not Panthers, one, like two of the teams there, the Cowboys, they're not quarterback hungry. And it would be odd for them to draft a quarterback, especially the Eagles uh, with Hurts, even though stranger things have happened. So if you want a quarterback that's not named Kirk, um, you want Lance or Jones to be available after the ninth pick because then they're probably going to fall all the way to the Minnesota and it could be a Rogers like fall. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Shelby, do you want, or here's the, the scenarios for left tackle. We can draft one like Dara saw organically at 14. He probably will be there or we can say the heck with it. We'll get one in the later rounds and then explore a free agent like Eric Fisher or we can trade up for Sewell. Which one of those do you support? I mean, if you look at the last couple of years, obviously a lot of people don't like Kirk, but my constant argument for him is our offensive line is trash. And he's definitely the best offensive lineman in the draft. So I personally would probably trade up for him. Um, Like most of you guys said, a third round pick for sure. Maybe even a second round of next year. I'm kind of iffy on that one, but it just, the main issue for the last couple of years has been our offensive line. And I think that if the talk is really that about him, I would prefer taking the risk on that rather than waiting for a later round and kind of, you know, rolling the dice. Okay. We're going to talk about trading the second rounder in about five minutes when the Orlando Brown topic comes up. Uh, I should have asked this question when we were talking about Spielman, but I got out of order. Uh, Sally, who do you consider Spielman's busts? Um, I'm going to go with Cordero Patterson being the biggest one. And the reason Three for, for one. that... I'm sorry? Three yeah, for four one. for one. Oh, four well, for one. <laughs> it, yeah, it's three for one, but four for one. Um, 
The reason for that being, um, obviously, we know he's a great kick returner, but as far as being drafted 29th overall to be a wide receiver, that just certainly did not work out. Um, in his second season, he was demoted to fourth on the depth chart, third season, fifth on the depth chart. So, um, uh, you know, and I I hate to say it because we, we really do miss him in the kick game, but that's just not a first round pick, especially when you add in the picks that were traded to the Patriots, um, a second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder and a seventh. Yeah, that was a huge, huge haul for them. That's unbecoming of the way Spielman usually does things. I don't know how each year you get worse, though. Like, you're supposed to get better. <laughs> well, well, he had, how did he go backwards? He went because before, he had Greg Jennings. Uh, they signed Greg Jennings the next year, so Greg, he had to fight with Greg for um, for balls. And then um, then they had Mike Wallace in twenty four or twenty fifteen, I think. I and then Stephon Diggs Wallace was there too. Diggs the was Dolphins. there, so he fell behind. <laughs> so and also like it sounds like you know the writing on the wall being that uh, just his depth perception like if he needed to run an eight yard in like he would run it at 11 or six like there's never consistency so well I will say kudos to him because he refined his game he was that dynamic kick returner became a great gunner on special teams not what you want out of a first round pick but he was able to uh, contribute in other ways so he wasn't so for me I would actually I'd say Treadwell's the biggest bust because he one catch for 11 yards first season and then you know he didn't really do much after that so um <laughs> but and Michael Thomas went after him so um say what you want about slant boy but he would have been a much better pick so i think uh this is in direct contradiction to sally i think that treadwell is the only bust i i i can't call patterson a bust because he's like probably three or four kick return touchdowns away from being a hall of fame candidate and he of course he Mm -hmm. didn't turn into wide receiver but um i just it's hard for me to say he's a bust um, when he's so dynamic and he certainly wasn't ideal for the Vikings. Um, and I also don't classify injury prone players as busts. Um, although emotionally they, they can feel that way. I think of a bust as like a Jamarcus Russell where they flat out don't work out because they suck. And with Treadwell, I'll always look back at my foolish ass and like I, at the games, like, you know, grabbing my wife's shoulder when he caught a pass, that's how excited I would, I would be thinking like, Oh yeah, this is the one that's going to change everything. And I should, and that, and then, then it was amplified when I watched Jefferson this year, like in week three thinking like, God, I was a moron for waiting and Treadwell to, to bust out like that. No pun intended. Uh, Shelby, who are the, the Spielman busts? Um, I think Christian Ponder yeah. is a big one. We That was a really big reach. I get it that we needed a QB back then. That's another thing about Cousins. We Back in those days, we were changing quarterbacks every year. We talked about Khalil earlier. I don't think that he was a good first-round pick for us. Um, Robbins, Josh Robinson, Chris Cook, both D-backs that didn't work, and then um, – Jeff Locke in the fifth round. <laughs> I think that that was uh, yeah, that one was curious. So yeah, if but we, obviously dreadful. If we slide it back to before <laughs> Spielman was officially the GM, because I never understood the triangle of authority who who was in, who was making the pick. Um, okay, I, okay, I'm just gonna butt in here because mm-hmm. that's everyone's way of letting um, Spielman off the hook for ponder, and I understand why. And I would, if this happened when Brad Childers was the head coach, then I would totally get it because as we've talked about with Brad Childers, his personality, he was obviously in there. He would have picked the QB that he wanted as he did with Tavares, right? I don't see Les Frazier going up against Rick Spielman and saying, we got to have this guy. And I, Ziggy, I see defaulting to Rick as well. So obviously we weren't there, but who made that choice other than Rick Spielman thinking about those three in a row? Bryant, were, so you, I don't, were, you still, I were you still on the fringe of the house, Bryant, during the 2011 NFL draft? Yeah, I was still there. I left during training camp. Yeah. But I agree with Sally, though. Um, okay. I feel like what she's saying sounds about right. Well, then then it's gospel. Uh, I mean, if your boot's <laughs> on the ground and you know the personality and um, she has the theory that he's probably capable of... Leslie had just became... Yeah. Just got into that position. Yeah. And Ziggy really hires everybody to operate. So he's not really in, like, you know, he doesn't know everybody's okay. stats and things like that. That's why he hires everybody. 
So it sounds about right to me. Okay. Well, and then I will say, and Sally wins that me. round if we're keeping score at home. <laughs> I mean, everyone gave him a pass for, yeah. for those years. And I don't think it's, I mean, if it was Brad Childers, yes, Brad probably did make that call, but there's no way to me. Les Frazier was like, I'm watching Christian Ponder's <laughs> tape. And I really think that he's the guy. And I will say, and this is in no way giving Spielman a pass. Cause yeah, Ponder was the other one that I was going to say is the ultimate bust. Um, but if you look back to that year with the, um, the lockout or pending lockout that was coming, like the, there was literally zero quarterbacks on roster. So it feels like it, again, not justifying it, but it seems like it was more of a reaction. Like, well, there goes obviously Cam Newton and then uh, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker. Like, so well, we need someone because we don't have anyone. Tavares wasn't under contract um, and they were in jeopardy of not having anyone to start a, a lockout season. So um again, not justifying it because Ponder was ended uh, up with Donovan McNabb, right? Because I remember Donovan was there my first couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. They sure did. And uh it didn't end well and then <laughs> or start well. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. It didn't do anything well. And then Ponder took over and showed like these little flashes of excitement probably because we were starved for uh uh very Mitchell Trubisky like. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah and we just the first year I my I still during the um, wretched parts of my alcoholism, getting super excited about the little things that he'd do. Not quite like I did for Treadwell, because I was no excuses. I was sober then. Uh, but with uh, Ponder, I remember thinking, okay, there's some baby steps there. And then that's that was like that was always it. He would make a, a couple surgical looking passes a game, and that was it. And we had to so, do 36 games worth of it. And Bryant, like so, to the Ponder point, because you were here during that offseason and everything, it sounded like at least some of the rumors, like from the media and stuff, when he showed up, he acted like he was a big man on campus, like he would have been at Florida State. Is that true? Like, did he kind of come up thinking that he knew everything, he had it all ready to, to like, kind of with that ego, or is that just blown out of proportion? It might have been blown out of proportion a little bit. I don't really recall him doing that too much, but I do remember when Donovan came in, and then we was on, I was on there for like a couple of days, and he was there. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. The next thing we have, we're going to go, like I said, my hopscotch, and I apologize for the randomness of the topics. Orlando Brown is the most likely player to be traded. He is a left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, and allegedly six teams have called about him, and that's really the only amount of teams that are left tackle deficient, and if you don't think the Vikings are one of those, then you're crazy. Uh, Shelby, do you think that it would be kind of like Trent Williams last year at this time? Do you think it's realistic that we will – trade our pick for Orlando Brown, which would probably get us the Ravens 27th pick and we would have to give up a second or so. Do you think that it uh, Orlando Brown could join the Vikings? I think that it's probably about a 75% chance. I think he wants out of Baltimore and he'd be a nice fit for us on the line. Like I said before, protecting cousins is the most important thing we need right now. And I think that it would be good to lead us to more of a playoff run. Stature wise, he is just like B Mac. I think he's what is he, Ron? Six eight three. Yeah, six eight three forty ish. So he doesn't really fit the zone blocking scheme, but um, that doesn't really work that great. So they should be willing to change, and this would be the first seedling in doing so. So he's a mammoth of a man, just like your humble host Ryan McKinney. Uh, Sally, do you see any um, benefit to trading for a guy like Orlando Brown? Oh, absolutely. Um, I would almost rather them trade for him than draft someone, which I know is, I just, it's more of a sure thing, right? I have PTSD from Matt Khalil. So (laughs) I would rather that happen, but I don't know how likely that is. Um, It seems like there's a lot of teams interested in him. So you're probably going to have to give up a lot. And with no second round pick, I I don't know. I think it's probably too risky um, for the Vikings to do. I think it's more likely for, Someone like the Jaguars, now that they have Urban Meyer and they have 11 picks. Um, <laughs> I see him being a good fit in Seattle, but they just don't really have the draft collateral to make it happen, I don't think. But um, yeah, I think another team is more likely. Yeah, and then the other thing, to remember, <laughs> just like Trent Williams, not quite that much, but we'll have to turn around and pay um, Orlando Brown. So keep that in the purview. Um, McKinney, do you know anything about the uh, Ravens tackle Orlando Brown? No, I mean... I probably know more about his dad. Yeah. <laughs> but um I watched him coming up. But I mean I, I, I did watch um Orlando. I watched the Sun as well. But um 
Why does he want to get out of Baltimore? Oh, it's it's pretty simple. So he right now they have Ronnie Stanley, who's an all pro left tackle and mm-hmm. Stanley got hurt. And so they slid um, Orlando over to left tackle, his natural position. And you know, left tackles get paid more than right tackles. And he actually tweeted in January, I am a left tackle. Send tweet. That's all it was. So he wants to be paid like a left tackle. And the Ravens Ravens aren't going to move away from Stanley. So um, he is not a zone block fit. But I think you and I have talked before um, that, well, I've asked you, do you think that you could do your thing inside of a zone blocking scheme in your prime. Yeah. I mean, I knew how to, ju- I've had different schemes. So, I mean, I knew how to adjust to whatever it was, you know, teaching me and he's still young. So he yeah, can't tw- too. 24. Yeah. So okay. he definitely has, he has the ability to do so. Okay. And the whole, like, you know, when you think zone blocking scheme, typically like the Broncos obviously made it famous by taking those smaller, lighter offensive linemen, mm-hmm. you know, ironically, a lot of the guys from the U of M from the Gophers with Ben Hamilton and um, yeah. those type of guys. But uh, like when it comes to say a guy, if you're talented, right, it shouldn't matter if you're too big to play the position or not. Like if you, as long as you're not too slow on your feet, like, right. you know, so like, being the zone block is about being, getting off the ball fast and being able to cut people off and things like that. That's all it is. I just feel like it's less um, for big, bigger guys. You would like to do a lot more colliding instead of cutting off to be able to wear down your opponent. It's just less of that. And I think you made the point, you know, we kind of touched on it a few weeks ago where zone blocking really doesn't exist in a, in a passing situations. Right. Cause that's yeah, just, pass protection. It, now is, so, I yeah. mean, it, like it's, worst case it's scenario, all run, it's all pretty much run block when they're talking about zone schemes. Right. Worst case scenario is, is you at least know that he's going to hold his ground in the running game and Dalvin will do his thing. So, Absolutely. I think uh, it was kind of a reality check for me. So when we were so guard starved uh, last year, like entering the season when we all knew that Elfline and Dozier wasn't a good thing, um, but it took the team a long time to figure it out. Uh, there was this Larry Warford the big dude from the saints was available and I thought, why well, just go get him. Uh, but then I quickly realized that he's another beast and he doesn't as a guard fit the zone blocking scheme. So I was thinking, God, maybe there really is something to that. So that's why I've tried to reduce my enthusiasm about these big hulkish offensive linemen. Uh, because like you said, Ron, they like power forward types like Ezra Cleveland. Um, so uh, I don't think you answered this, Ron. What about Orlando Brown? What do you think it happens I- or not? Um, I mean, I think it's a better chance that it does than it doesn't just because I feel like we're at this stage in the game, they would have addressed the offensive line a little bit yeah. more. Um, like, you know, going into a, a draft needing two starters on the line, if they didn't think that this was a possibility, like they would make it where there's only one that they need to for sure get. So, um, I love the idea of, you know, pick swaps moving back. Cause then you can add one of those edge rushers, whether it is, whether it is, um, Russo or, you know, if someone else falls, but, uh, um, I mean, yeah, you get a guy that's in the prime of his career, you know, left tackles, um, when they're good, like, unless they hit a wall, like Matt Khalil, like they, they go well into their thirties. I mean, look at on or Andrew Whitworth. Mm-hmm. I can't ever, Yeah. And, uh, Dwayne Brown, like those guys are in yeah. their mid thirties, still dominating Bryant. You were the same at, you know, in your we, Super Bowl run. So, um, you know, whether or not he has the athleticism, like personally, I don't care about that yeah, because he, he's going to protect the blind side <laughs> and the, your right side is going to be the most athletic side in the league anyways. So yeah. if you leave Ben Cleveland at guard, so, um, figure it out and just get a, a pro bowl player on the team. And as far as salary goes, the cap's going to jump a lot next year. So who yeah. cares? Yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's an underrated thing or under-recognized thing that it, how it reduced this year by about $18 million compared to what it was supposed to be to what it will jump to with the TV deal, assuming that uh, the pandemic recovery still goes swimming. We're talking like $40 million in difference. Right. And that applies to everybody. So, you know, it's not just a Vikings thing, but it will be uh, humongous. All right, two more things and then we'll get everybody out of here. Uh, Shelby, I hope you did your homework. Uh, I want to know your top three wants for the Vikings, assuming they stay at 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am not as big into college football, so I definitely did have to do my research. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, we, we talked about the Seawolf. Uh, obviously, he's extremely good and the importance of protecting our quarterback. Kawiti Hey, These people have some weird names. 
out of Michigan. He's a good edge rusher. Uh, he's a good edge rusher, and that would give us um, much needed pressure on opposing teams' quarterback. And that's a good chance he's still going to be there. And then Aziz Ojulari. <laughs> You're going to get this. out of Georgia, who's another edge rusher. And I think that if we don't do Sewell, I think Vikings are going to go defense here. And that's what we need. Okay. Oh, Sally, give me your top three names once. Um, well, we already talked about two because I heard Ron uh, bring up Rashawn Slater, um, which I think would be another good option. Um, I thought it was funny when I was reading about him that uh, one of his marks is the T-Rex arms. And I was thinking, wow, we haven't heard that since Sharif Floyd. Because <laughs> remember, that was like the pre-buzz. Are they going to get the T-Rex guy? Um, obviously, that poor guy. I wasn't on Twitter then, but I wish that I was now. I will say, they're, like <clears throat> one of the best tweets I saw in regards to that was, uh, I think it was, it was someone on Cape Ann. I think it was Molesky. And he uh, said, like, they're t- all this talk about Sharif Floyd and his short arms. like, <laughs> And he was like, well, I have long arms, and I'm pretty sure I'd make a terrible defensive tackle. So, um, like I, I thought I got to kick out of that because yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then I guess if somehow, some way, um, a quarterback falls, like I was reading today about, um, Justin Fields, I guess this epilepsy thing is coming up. Um, they're hitting him so, with everything. What'd you say? Oh, they're hitting him with everything they can yeah. find that's negative. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if that'll have any effect on it, I would hope not since that's a pretty common thing that a lot of Americans deal with and we have a lot of resources, but crazier things have happened. Um, so I think if, if one of those top guys go falls for some reason, you kind of have to have to take it. I mean, you're not going to have an opportunity like that to draft someone, um, a court, a future quarterback and, if for some reason it doesn't work out, you have trade collateral for next year. If for some reason you do want to stick with Kirk or whatever the case may be, but um, yeah, I think you got to do it if it happens. Okay, <clears throat> Bryant, I know what you are they know- for a trade back. Sorry, Shelby, go ahead. I, I was just gonna. I was curious what they're saying about. I have epilepsy, oh. so I'm curious what they're saying. They just um, said he's got it. Think that red flag. Yeah, um, just whether or not it'll be a, a bad concern. Thing that's- He's had it since he was a juvenile, since he was a kid. And um, I guess he hasn't had any episodes since he was young. His It's been managed by medication just fine. But he's obviously had to disclose it now, um, meeting right. the teams. And so I guess the concern is, what if something changes and then it does become an issue again or, you know, something like that. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Bryant, uh, I know you don't study mock drafts like we maniacs do, but what do you just want, a bunch of hurricanes or what? Well, no, I do want offensive linemen. I do okay. want um, some cornerbacks and maybe uh, defensive linemen. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Ron, I know you got a list. Let's hear it, homie. Well, mine's pretty simple. Um, it's it, for who is going to potentially be there at 14. That's Trenchman. Um, in this order. Yep. It's Slater, Derisa, or uh, Vera Tucker. Um, I think any one of those three will come in and start right away. Um, and not just start, but they'll be impact players in different ways. But uh, um, I think, yeah, like we've bolstered the defense and free agency. Um, and the offensive line is really the only weakness. And it's, a weakness that, and Brian, you know better than anything, it's a weakness that could linger and affect the whole team because um, it starts in the trenches, and if you can't get pressure, if you can't stop pressure, like as the Chiefs showed in the Super Bowl, you can have Superman back there, and you're screwed. So um, I'm all for protecting the offense and letting the defense kind of you know, figure itself out as time goes on. So My wish list of realism uh, in order is Rashawn Slater. I think that he is perfect for best player available and the potential to slide down. And it's really going to depend on what the Chargers do. If the Chargers win the Orlando Brown sweepstakes, in theory, we could still uh, get Slater and I'd be just as happy. Uh, so Slater, number one. Number two is Micah Parsons because he, because of the quarterback bonanza, he could fall too. And then he is you know, a bona fide freakish football player that will be Barr's replacement in 2022, if you're thinking long-term. And then third um, would depend on the falling of the board. But if Patrick Sertain is there, I don't think he will be uh, because of the Cowboys need for a cornerback and they like 
bona fide names like that. Uh, those would be my three uh, certain there. Um, but if Trey Lance is there, even the perceived ultimate Kurt guy that I am, um, I would love to have him be there for the duration of Kirk's contract. And uh, I don't care what Sally says. I like the home, the Minnesota, the state connection. Um, I would love that. You could market it for 12 years. And for those that are listening on just audio only, she's smiling right now, shaking her head at me. Um, but no, I would love the Trey Lance part because we would, uh, you know, join the rest of the world and develop a quarterback and, you know, pray that he doesn't shred his knee like it, you know, happens to everybody else. But I don't Can think I respond I, to that. Um, let me, yeah, go ahead. Okay. First of all, I think it's funny how you said, uh, the realist in me, when you said 11 wins for one, for two, <laughs> Hey, you're committed to the show for the long haul. So when I'm right, then we can pop the, all we'll pop the diet mountain dew, uh, for two, um, the Vikings don't need a marketing boost. So the home state thing drives me crazy. Well, they're selling out us bank stadium regardless so i don't understand it how many games a year do you go to every home game and at least two road games oh so you have season tickets no oh you just do the single the single game thing i just i buy my tickets in the parking lot at StubHub and mm-hmm. always works out oh okay uh-huh. well, fair enough so you know, you, so there's no pizzazz to the fact that he was from Marshall, Minnesota, in high school. That doesn't move the needle for you at all. For me, no. But I'm not a min- natural Minnesotan, so it just—I don't get you guys' obsession with like each other. It's not just Minnesota. Oh, it's, well, it's then like... you wouldn't understand. <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota but is the rest of the world of doesn't work this way. No, the rest we claim of the country doesn't work this well, way. Do you follow? We claim everyone. Yeah. Well, it's like always like the, you know, Anthony Davis coming from Chicago, LeBron from Cleveland. They love to represent where they're from. And it's always, they always find their way back to their hometown. (laughs) But see, I I am one of those where like, they, like, you know, like Chris Pratt was born here. So he's one of us type (laughs) angle, but uh, I'm not hating on it. I'm not, I'm just saying to pick someone for that reason. No, no, absolutely not. But what I will say too, is being twin cities born and raised, like is the Marshall, Minnesota, is that really like, to me, that's not necessarily one of us. Like if you would have come to the U of M, like he, like there's a special on sports yeah. center this week that he thought he was going to be the quarterback at the U and uh, they never offered him the quarterback job. So it oh. is obviously hilarious, but uh, um, NDSC was the only college that gave him the chance to play quarterback there. So um, if you would have spent his college time here, yeah, it would have been like, all right, great. But uh, yeah, like Sally said, we don't need the marketing. So um even like nothing against Adam Thielen. I know he went to Mankato, Mankato state's closer, but he's where, where is it? Uh, Detroit, Lakes. Detroit lakes. Like, I mean, come on, we're Metro twin cities area. I, and I'm, yeah, I'm not <laughs> cheating on Adam Thielen, but we would love Adam Thielen if he went to Mankato or not. Right. Like you could have went to Wisconsin and we'd love that. I mean, <laughs> he's a great player. Celebrity, like, you know, it's just, I don't, I, well, maybe. I look, Adam Thielen's a great story. I'm not dismissing that at all. And if he didn't play at Mankato where the Vikings had training camp, he might very well not be in the league. Like, but that's, a you know, that's what's so, that's what's so interesting. Cause I'm from Mankato and I know Adam very well. I partied with him at Mankato <laughs> and he was not really like a, he wasn't this like big star <laughs> for the Mavericks. Like John Wolf, the quarterback was much more of the, big gun and Adam was just who he threw to so when he kind of got drafted or he didn't even get drafted when he got picked up by the Vikings it was very interesting and he's one of those people that he is getting better with age like he is still coming into his talent which is so rare a lot of people peak in college and he just keeps on soaring so it's a very cool story for us Mankato people Brian, where does your like allegiances lie? Does it lie with your jersey being your roots in Jersey or all of Miami? I mean, well, at this point, I mean, I grew up <laughs> in New Jersey, but at this point, I've spent more of my life in Miami. Now, do you like, as a Jersey player, at seventeen? I've been in Miami for like twenty, be twenty-two years this year. 
And obviously, I'm sure at, at the time that you, when you were at Miami, obviously, like the list of talent that was coming out of there was ridiculous. So you, you can't just go to an NFL team and say, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, because there was 30 of them making it, to, making it to the league and being, uh, being effective. So, um, but uh, yeah, like for us with, you, you played here in Minnesota. So I'm sure you saw guys that you played with that, you know, maybe, I don't know if you cross paths, paths with Marcus Sherrill's like, there's a perfect example of a guy who the fans love the root for him because, you know, small small town kid played at the U undrafted and always found a way on the team. So um, I'm sure every state has it, but it does seem like it's a little bit yeah. more amplified. I think, in bigger, I think it is bigger up there because I mean, you have guys who went to my Vernon Carey was from Miami. When did you raise Miami? And it wasn't even a big deal that he got drafted by the dolphins. It was like, it's it was probably because we're, we're quote unquote flyover country. Like we're, a, we're not a small yeah. market, but we're not a big market. So, you know, we, we take that middle market ground seriously. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't like being slighted in the least. So <laughs> I would also like to mention that uh, my my bias, apparent bias on this topic is derived from LeBron James because the Cleveland selection and I've followed LeBron since uh, draft night 2003. And it was always so storybook for him to make that franchise relevant and then ultimately bring them a championship. So, yeah, I guess I need to do some soul searching and shed some of this. <laughs> but Cleveland needed help. Cleveland needed to sell some tickets yeah. and some jerseys. True. Very yeah. true. All right. The last thing I got is for the females. Um, Harrison Smith was married this last weekend. And I want to know how the hell you two ladies let him slip away. We'll start with Shelby. You know, Smith is an interesting guy because I feel like he's kind of like Batman. Like he's so he's so mysterious, and you know, I've I've sang the sang the anthem for the Vikings a few times, and I know a couple guys on the team, and he's someone that just seems unreachable. Like even when he is like on the field, and he makes it feel very quiet. So I don't know how his wife found him. But I feel like unless you met him in person and just happened to win him over, I feel like he's someone that would have been hard Bruce to Bruce Wayne? He's Bruce Wayne? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Sally, how did uh, Harrison escape your grip? Well, they have been together for a long time. I think pretty much the whole time he's been on the team. Oh, but that's they? not. But, I mean, I kind of resent the question, to be honest, because – I don't sexualize players on the team. I don't see them that way. So well, it was it was it was playful. Neither do I. I know it's a joke. <laughs> I know it's a joke. But as as females, we get that crap a lot. So I just oh. want to set the record straight that I don't actually see him in that way. But it was super cool um, to see those guys getting together at the wedding this weekend. I love seeing them just hanging out and you know um, all of their kids. That so many Vikings and even past ones like Sandejo were in his wedding was really cool. Um, and it, I just like to see those guys having a fun time and you get a glimpse of their personality. And that was what I took away from it. But congrats okay. to him. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Bryant, when the hell are you getting married? Um, I'm not sure. No, Nothing I right. actually spent time with my ex this weekend though, but. Oh, sure. well tell us. Oh, I said spend time over the weekend with my ex. She was in town. Oh, how that goes. LA, I live oh, in Miami. Sure. And that went well. Yeah, it went well. Oh, okay. Well, so, <laughs> so this is is this is this a uh, tr- teaser trailer for next week? You can tell us more or what? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the little shit grin going on. So. Yeah. Well, I'll ask him off air. You don't want to talk about it too early because you know then it messes right. everything up. So yeah, don't jinx it. She might let. She might be listening. So, all right, well, um, next week we're going to do the show on a Tuesday, hopefully, and everybody can accommodate. Um, I'm going to go to the draft with my wife, and we leave on Wednesday night right after work. So, uh, Shelby, we thank you for joining us. Now that you say that you sang the anthem, was that at U.S. Bank Stadium? I've sang, no, I sang twice at the Dome, and then way back in the day. And then I sang, I was saying earlier, I was supposed to sing for the Vikings Chargers game this last season, but then three days before they told me that they had a bugle player uh, and they had double booked us, even (laughs) though my family had flown in. So that game was actually sold out because obviously you guys know the Vikings 
our away team is that's probably why you got booted they probably needed they probably needed more local support than they got so they (laughs) figured if we can control one the bugle guy (laughs) it was so loud in there like that's what's so funny we ended up getting field passes and i have a video and it's literally just all purple i think that there was maybe 10 percent chargers fans and even that, it's not like they were cheering. So it was a cool game to go to. I was happy I ended up not singing. Yeah, it was. It was one of the last ass kickings that we've doled out, in fact. Um, did we have any of those at all in 2020? Like decisive wins? I don't think so. Unless I'm missing yeah. one. I don't think so either. All right. Well, then no, we'll talk. Well, again, we appreciate uh, you coming on, and we'll have you back, Shelby. Um, and for the rest of you, we'll talk to you next week. And go Vikings. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.